weather has been the dominant story of the holiday weekend, and it continues today as we face a series of various weather alerts across our region. Uh, one worry is these king tides. Uh, Ted Beener joins us now. We're, we're so lucky you are here today to, to do the traffic, to get in for uh, Sully's getting a much needed day off, uh, and your weather expertise. We couldn't have a better man in the chair. What exactly are king tides, and, and who is going to be impacted? Well, king tides are seasonal, and it has everything to do with Earth's orbit around the sun as well as the moon's orbit around our planet. And during the winter season, November through February, is when Earth is a little closer. It's not a perfect circle around the sun. It's elliptical, and we're a little closer to the sun, so it has greater gravitational pull. And that's why we have these really high tides and really low tides that we get about every 28 days or so. And we're in the period, it's our second series of king tides for this season, is is this week. And you toss in a nice deep low-pressure system with this storm that's coming in, plus throw in some wind, and that results <clears throat> excuse me, in surf action. Uh, yeah, we can get some low-lying areas along Puget Sound to have some potential uh, you know, coastal flooding and some damage. I remember an event in December, I don't remember what year it was, I want to say 2012, but I could be wrong, where we had logs tossed into people's living rooms. Wow. Yeah, down in the in the um, uh, Des Moines area and and areas further south, as well as up towards uh, Birch Bay and places like that up in Whatcom County. So, yeah, this is this is exciting stuff in that way. Yeah. It, it, I'm it, stunned by that. I, I, I am too. I'm, I'm the loss, visual. I mean, they must have been living on the beach for something oh, like that y- to happen. Y- yeah, they live right on the shoreline. Okay, they have right. okay. they have bulkheads okay. and etc. But hey, when the tide is really high and you got a lot of wind and a lot of surf action and you've got debris in the water, it gets tossed around. And uh, literally, there were pictures of people having logs in their living rooms right next to their Christmas tree. Usually, those logs on the beach are the envy of all your neighbors <laughs> until a king tide comes in. And they're just glad to be looking at it from their safe host. They become tinker toys. That's (sighs) what they become. Does a low tide then look like a high tide any other time? Or does a low tide get to your regular, you know, in this cycle? Well, during this time period, our tides really swing a lot, really high and really low. Because there are times when, for instance, the Port Townsend Ferry can't run because the tides are too low. Okay, you've heard of those cancellations that occur. So uh, that's just an example of that. And, you know, Spike, I was showing you our our, uh, satellite imagery before we came on air this morning. Um, I'm looking at the radar right now. The back edge of the front with all this rain is in the process of moving on to the coastline. It'll move through here later today. And after that goes by and that's surface low, it's really intense. uh, And that's helping to increase the tidal anomaly above what it normally would be already, that just enhances our king tide scenario. Uh, But that's also going to kick up the winds here later today. So I've been mentioning the Narrows Bridge is a little windy at the moment. It's going to be that way across the other lake bridges and Hood Canal, etc. here later today. And as we talked about in the forecast, you know, the Puget Sound area is probably going to be 20 to 30 with gusts 45, 50 miles per hour. You go further north towards Whidbey Island and into the San Juans, the, what's called the North Sound, the Salish Sea area, they might have winds uh, getting close to 60 miles per hour. We've got all these saturated soils, 
trees. Oh, my goodness. We might have some that are going to fall on power lines and create power outages. Well, since you are a weather expert and our traffic expert, do you know if I know that we sometimes see closures of our floating bridges, especially the 520 floating bridge when the when the winds get too high? Any possibility we could see that today? I don't see that at this particular point. And keep in mind, the new 520 bridge is much more stable than the original one. That one only had a 40 mile per hour sustain before you started shutting things down. Uh, That's not the case today. It's now 7.37 on Seattle's Morning News and time for our daily dose of kindness brought to you by Heritage Homecraft. A Denver woman celebrates the holidays by making as many as 2,000 caramel apples a year that sell for $10 a piece. She's raised $10,000 to $20,000, and she's donating it to schools, libraries, and a hospice. Here's Barry Peterson with the story. All Meek and Fonte has is a kitchen. Caramel's almost ready. And an idea. Making as many as 2,000 caramel apples a year. I'm a big cook. That sell for all of 10 bucks each. On a busy day, I do about two to 300. And raising 10 to $20,000 a year that she's donated to schools, libraries, a hospice. I've got my one job, that's for sure. Husband Rob, an oculofacial plastic surgeon, pays for the supplies and pushes in those wooden sticks. I'm lucky to have uh, a wife who's got such a great idea. Childhood friend Kelly Fox is a Paralympic silver medal winner. And when it comes to raising money, Kelly and Megan didn't stop with apples, riding together in bicycle races that raised $50,000. I gave a friend an apple, and she just held it in her hand and just started doing a dance. She was like, oh my gosh, this is for me? It brings joy. It really started with Megan's mom, Marie, who raised 10 kids, started a hospice, and ran a food bank out of her garage. I would ask her, could I go down the street and play at Peggy's house? And she'd say, I need you to bag 50 pounds of rice and 50 pounds of beans and one pound bags, and then you can go play. So we all did it. We all did it. Back in those days, Susan Schmitz was a childhood friend who knows now why demand keeps growing. Basically, word of mouth. You know, everybody receives them as a present, then they want to buy them next year for their friends and family. And this year, the apples will help with an innovative cause. So this land is where we're going to build our community. It's where we're going to build Tall Tales Ranch. Susan Mooney founded Tall Tales Ranch that will provide housing for adults with intellectual and developmental differences. This is a a population of people who want to work, who want to live independently, who are going to have to move out of their parents' house at some point because their parents are aging. Like her son, Ross, who may one day live here. And the apples help? The apples help tremendously. Not only have they helped us raise funds, but they help us raise awareness. And here's one more dubious selling point. We don't count calories. There's no calories in an apple when you do it for charity. I think the point is, is that anybody does anything good, we can do it in our own backyard. Put a little white chocolate on it. All it takes. And then we decorate with some fall leaves. Is just doing it. That's good. It is 7.47. Time to take off on the Cairo Morning News. 
Seattle's Morning News Show now with uh, Spike O'Neill and Lisa Brooks this week. The, the Cairo Knights team doing it in the sunshine for you. Yes, sunshine. I forget where I was. Uh, <laughs> right now, from the G and Ursula Show, weekdays 9 to noon. And I'm going to say top rated. Can I say top rated? Yes, I can. Cairo News Radio's own G. Scott. Yeah, um, I saw a little Bronco football this weekend. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. It's really, really bad. I'd assume he misses here, right? He misses it here in Seattle. It's bad. Like, remember when you first moved out of your mom and dad's house? Mm-hmm. And you're like, I'm going to go on my own. I'm going to do my thing. And you get out there, and it gets bad. Yeah, All yeah. of a sudden, rent's due. You got to pay water bill. You got to pay. <laughs> your roommate cuts out on, on, on paying the rent. Yep. With all call, your shirts. Right? Then yeah. you call your parents like, hey, I'm a little short on the rent. That's Russell right now. They yeah. short on the rent. And what they did was they just got rid of the landlord. They fired the coach because they couldn't coach. fire the player. And it's real bad out there. So I don't know what kind of questions you got, but just know that it is bad. Do you remember when Seattle was actually weighing the decision? Is it going to be keep Russ or keep Pete? I mean, we were there were actually people saying that in this town. I think it was the fans. Oh yeah, I'm not. I'm not yeah, saying yeah, smart yeah. people. I'm saying fans. I, the I think, yeah, I think it was the fans, and yeah. I think the fans are starting to realize that. I think oh, with the Seattle Seahawks, I think they already know and knew what the decision would be. Why? Because let's be real. Pete Carroll is the one that established a culture for Seattle. Yep. Pete Carroll. And what do, you, what do I mean by culture? Let me explain. Remember Geno Smith at the beginning of the season? Remember Shoot what your opinion was? Had faith in, in Nobody had faith in Geno Smith. Fine. Geno Smith is a pro bowler. Why? Because of the culture. Because of the system. Because of believing and buying into what Seattle does. There is no one bigger than the team in Seattle. Once you get to that point, then you're out of here. That's just how it's been. It's been that way. If you go through it, Richard Sherman, love him. One of my good friends. They cut him. Yeah. Bobby Wagner, good friend. They cut him. Michael Bennett, good friend. They traded him. This is the Seattle Seahawks, where it is team before individual, no matter what. In Denver, they're just having a hard time. They got new ownership. They get new coaches. And it's really bad. And when that head coach had to be fired, this is why they fired the head coach, I believe. Yeah, they got they got 50 points put on them by the Rams. But I'm going to tell you, when that offensive lineman pushed the backup quarterback during the game uh, the other day, I knew they had to fire the coach. Yeah, that's, that's the culture they're cooking in. And, and nothing, nothing but cold coming out of that kitchen Russell's working in. Has he... Has he destroyed his legacy? Is it too late? Does he have enough left in the tank to save his legacy? When you guys say legacy, here's Russ's legacy. Russell Wilson was quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks for 10 years. Right. He went to back-to-back Super Bowls, won a Super Bowl. He was a good quarterback. We were grateful for him for that. That's his legacy. See, now I see I see stats like leading the NFL in fourth quarter comeback and wins in the first 10 years of his career. That's not a defensive thing. That's a Russell thing. He did have some incredible accomplishments that we all seem to be so quick to dismiss. I'm not dismissing him. I'm not dismissing him at all. But that, that defense that the Seahawks had, oh, yeah. that wasn't just a good defense. It was historic. There's never been a defense in the history of time that has led the league four years in a row like the Legion of Boom did. Uh, but, but would you put Russell in the same category then as a Trent Dilfer or a Brad Johnson who had monstrous defenses no, in I, Tampa I, I, and, 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 and Baltimore? I put Russell above that. I, I, I do too. Yeah. But has he, has he destroyed that with one year in Denver? This is going to pain me to say, and it really hurts. This is what Russell has done this year. 
I think Russell has played himself out of the Hall of Fame. And he has solidified Pete Carroll into it. I could not agree with you more. I knew, I knew that's where you'd be because you don't, th- you don't blow smoke. I, I've known you I, well I, I, now, I, Lisa. I really do. I really do. One think bad that season can play you out of the Hall of Fame. One season this bad. Well, okay. Well, that's fair. No, no, not necessarily. But here's a question for you: Do you ever envision the old Russell again? I think he when he damaged his hand when he what was he was he broke a finger yeah, yeah. I, I think that was an indication that he was declining and I don't think we're going to see that Russell again but I think we're going to see a better Russell when you say better is that leading the Broncos to the playoffs probably not there you go now that's going to hurt Lisa <laughs> if if here, so if you're listening out there and I, and I I'm with you Lisa so one bad season should not hurt someone okay fair. But if you don't envision Russell Wilson in the playoffs again, if he doesn't lead a team to the playoffs again, he's not going to the Hall of Fame. I got one. I'll have a prediction. The new head coach has a choice for the Denver Broncos. They just fired a coach. They're going to have a new head coach. They have a choice. Either fix Russell Wilson or cut him. <sighs> That's a, a, a decision I don't want to be making. That's a tough call. They got to pay him off, right? I mean, they'd have they, to pay a that lot off. of it. Yeah. A yeah. lot of it's guaranteed yeah. money. Yeah, 168 That's, guaranteed. Oh. Yeah, they crippled so, that team for a decade with this deal. I believe they did. So you either pay Russell Wilson. I mean, excuse me. You either fix Russell Wilson or you get rid of him. That's going to be the choice of the new head coach. What, uh, do, before, what do I think is going to happen? Yeah. I think they're going to get rid of Russell Wilson. You heard it here first, people. Before we let you go, man, how was your Christmas? It was all right. It was cool. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's good to be with you guys. Right. Just cool? Yeah. Oh, just cool. With a minute left, it was cool. Uh, you're, you're fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. What, what are you doing tomorrow? Now, G and Ursula today from 9 to 12. I think you'll get some 100% on what Christmas was like at the G Sky. There you go. There you go. Thank you, my friend. Joining us now is David Farentold of the New York Times. And uh, good morning, David. We saw that, the, uh, of course, the January 6th commission filed their final report. What does this really mean? What kind of impact will this have? Well, I think, you, you know, the report itself may not make that much more of an impact. And I do think we need to look back at the January 6th committee going back to the start of 2021 and see the huge impact that they've made on the perception of those events and, you know, in reshaping the, the, the perception of Trump and the Republican Party's role in those events. I don't think you would have had the election results you had in the previous midterms where Republican candidates embracing Trump's lie about the, ele- the election being stolen lost in all, almost everywhere they were running. I don't think you would have had that if you hadn't been this sort of patient, painstaking, detailed effort to explain what happened on January 6th. And, you know, with, without which there would have been just partisan narratives about that day. So, you know, the report itself, the criminal referral they made, you know, that that may have some impact. But I think the impact that they made is in putting the true account of January 6th at the middle of the the political discussion for the last two years. David, you're right about the uh, telling the public the story of January 6th. But with regard to the Justice Department, what do you think will be more impactful, the, the special report by the January 6th committee or the appointment of a special counsel to oversee the current open cases against the former president? I think it will be the appointment of the special counsel. The January 6th committee did make a criminal referral, but, you know, that sounds more official or more more impactful than it actually is. I mean, they're just telling the Justice Department, hey, we think there's some people out there that broke the law. Obviously, the Justice Department is already investigating Trump uh, and other people around him for what they did trying to overturn the election and on, on January 6th. So 
that special counsel who, who is moving ahead seems to be subpoenaing people who, you know, were Trump called as part of his efforts to overturn the election. You know, I think that, you know, we don't know where that's going to go, but, you know, that is going to be far more important and more crucial to the future of Trump's legal problems than the January 6th commission. I've been curious uh, because the committee did recommend that uh, Trump not be allowed to run for elected office ever again. And the same with uh, many others also implicated in their report. Is that a possibility? Is that something that that the Justice Department could do? Or is that something that takes an act of Congress or uh, even a change in the Constitution? Well, you know, I, I think you're you're not allowed to run for office if you've if you've committed insurrection against the United States. Uh, that was something that you know went back to the Civil War, uh, and I think you know, but it's like so many other things involving Trump. I, I think about the emoluments clause, where presidents weren't supposed to take payments from foreign governments. You know, it sounds official, but there's not really a great mechanism to enforce it. There's already been a lawsuit filed by a, a sort of watchdog group in Washington saying that Trump shouldn't be allowed on the ballots because he committed insurrection. I do think you'd have, that's something that will have to be would have to be decided by the courts, and it's such a novel issue that, like emoluments, it may take a long time for people to even sort of set the ground rules for a um, a discussion like that. Let's move on to another topic. I had fun with this one. Uh, the New York Times published this story over the weekend asking if it was a fourth grader or an AI program that wrote some essays and prompts. And I got, I, I did them all. I got two of the three right. Uh, but boy, I was caught off guard by uh, one of them. And it was ended up being written by AI. Um, these are being used for, for everything. Is this something that we should be frightened of or look forward to? Oh, I mean, I, I struggle with the same question because it is just like the deep fake videos. It is so uncanny what people are able to do. You know, the, the assumptions we had even a couple of years ago about, you know, we'll, you know, we'll, there's something that humans will always do better than computers. And one of them would be writing, uh, you know, or, or determining what, you know, there would be an obvious sort of signature in a, in a computer written piece of writing. You know, that doesn't seem to be true anymore. And there's, you know, there, I'm sure there'll be some great uses of that in chatbots and, you know, we'll, you know, we'll find value in that. But as somebody who writes for a living, I, I sort of have to say I'm a little worried that that's something that, you know, is not the unquestioned domain of the humans anymore. David, I'm not sure what's going to be more impacted, the way, the way teachers look at students' work or the way voters look at politicians' actions. None of these seem <laughs> to be able to be trusted anymore. Have we gone over the line? We can never go back to believing your eyes? I guess that that is the key question. You know, I just think back to my my own experience, and I broke the story of the the Access Hollywood video about Trump in twenty uh, in twenty sixteen. And if, but even back then, that was only a few years ago. You know, nobody questioned whether the video was legitimate because nobody could fake videos like that. If that same thing happened today, I think people would question it. So yeah, I mean, I think there will be ways around it. There will be, you know, my pitch would be that there are going to be trusted sources like you know the New York Times, like the Washington Post, like you know Cairo Radio. You know, people will turn to and know that we've done our homework to tell fact from fiction. Um, but there are going to be a lot of people out there who just see these things in other medium and don't try to fact check them and, and get fooled. It'll be so much easier to fool people uh, who don't trust the sort of mainstream you know, media that checks this stuff. Well, it seems like we can just generate a story that supports what predisposition any believer has. So it's going to be, like you said, very, very difficult moving forward. Another story that we saw that was just amazing but bears out to be true, and you can believe your eyes, is about anger and its effect on the body, um, what rage does to a person. Since, yeah. our, since our culture seems to be fueled by rage these days, uh, I'm curious if it might be a co- correlation between our yeah. failing life expectancy rates in the U.S. and the uh, the epidemic of anger. 
you know, I, 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 that story was so interesting, saying basically that there are all these things that anger does for us that are, you know, are good in the short term. If you really are, you know, in a fight, you know, you need to have the ability to make decisions quickly. You need to get fat, you know, blood flowing faster. But that if you're like that all the time, you know, it, it does all kinds of terrible things to your body, to your mental state. You know, you were just not meant to, subs- to subsist in a permanent state of anger, you know, but that there are so many elements out there in politics on both sides. But that's how they make their money is by continually keeping you sort of enraged at a low level. I, I wish it was I was at the beach the week before Christmas and thinking about this. We were sitting at the beach this beautiful day, you know, the you know, tropical sunshine. And there's a guy wearing a hat that's like, don't tread on me. And a, and a, a shirt with this like long, angry message about liberals. You know, it's like, I, who's treading on you? We're at the beach. Why are you so mad? But there's some people that like <laughs> carry that anger into all parts of their life. And it is very damaging. So we, something we have to think about going forward, how do we get that anger out of our lives, both for the health of our politics and just for our health? Yeah, speaking of which, I mean, I, I see that uh, Apple, uh, the, was it the New York State Attorney General is suing Apple over the Apple Watch and, and the measuring of your blood oxygen level, but it doesn't also keep track of your blood pressure. Maybe there's some way that we can monitor our blood pressure every time we open up social media just to see how this is impacting us. Right. If, if it goes too high, it like cuts off your access to Facebook or something, and you know, it sends you over to a site to just make videos of kittens. Uh, your Apple Genius. glasses will be flooded with nothing but images of puppies playing and kittens cuddling. <laughs> exactly. I was going to ask if is there anything we can do to try to um, swing the pendulum back away from the constant diet of anger and 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 conflict. Well, I, you know, I don't want to pat us on the back too much in the mainstream news media, but I feel like that is something we try to do is to give people context, to give people perspective, to sort of explain the news to you in a way that's not designed to get your blood pressure up. And so I hope people look to us and recognize the value that we provide. But just as consumers of news, I hope that people are able to recognize, okay, you know, when am I being fed something that, you know, I agree with, but also just raises my blood pressure? When am I getting angry about something that doesn't affect me or, you know, that really is not that important. You know, how can we sort of manage to turn off that impulse, which the algorithms feed to keep looking for stuff that makes us mad about the other side, you know, to to maintain that sort of balance in our own lives, you know, in addition to looking for news sources that don't do that on purpose. Life advice. Thank you so much. (laughs) David Ferris of the New York Times. We really appreciate you and love listening to you all the time with Dave and Colleen as well. Welcome back to Cairo News Radio, the Seattle Morning News. I'm Spike O'Neill sitting in for Dave Ross. Lisa Brooks in for Colleen O'Brien this week. Ted Beaner's doing just an incredible job wearing every hat we could throw at his head. Uh, right now, we tune uh, our attention to the roads, the roadways, and a dear friend and a trusted colleague, Mickey Gomez, is experiencing firsthand the nightmare of holiday travel 2022. Mickey, how are you? I am exhausted. Good morning and happy holidays. Happy holidays, you too. Um, where are you exactly? So I believe I am near Mount Home, Idaho. Okay, I, I know Mount Home. I know Mount Home. That, that's, you know Mount, Mount, yeah. that's Mountain Home. Mountain Home. That's southeast oh, of Boise. Home. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you came yeah. up through Nevada, through Twin Falls, and yes. then turning left. Yes. Yes. So what's what's interesting is that last night I, I called Sully because I was supposed to be at work today. And so um, when the airline canceled our flight uh, again and, uh, and again, because we'd been experiencing the anticipation of getting home and then finally they canceled it, um, four strangers 
decided we've got to get back to Seattle and we decided to rent a vehicle. So we're, we're in a vehicle right now. And before we left Las Vegas, I called Sully and I said, okay, Sully, I have three different routes that I can take. Help us figure out what's going to be the easiest one. What's going to be the safest. And, um, he called me back 10 minutes later and he said, this is the route you're going to take. So we're on Sully's route home. So would you like to give out Sully's personal cell phone number now so that everybody in the Pacific Northwest can have the same access to the absolute best route possible? Now, I, I am yes. so I'm so glad you had that yeah. available to you to keep you and your travel mates safe. How many clicks does your YouTube video, you and your three stranger car mates, mm-hmm. have, you, have you posted? It's all the social so, rage. <laughs> well, I did post on TikTok last night, but I will never fly this particular airline again. And, and, and I know that all the airlines were having issues. You know, um, so, but it was more about how this particular airline handled the stress of the holidays and the yelling and the screaming and, and not just from the passengers, but from the employees themselves. I mean, there were a couple of people that, um, that just lost it and they had to call, you know, uh, you know, airport police, uh, to really de-escalate the situation but um it, 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 it i remain professionalism just about every time i went up to the counter that i know you're having a bad day i know this isn't easy please just help me help me navigate how i can get home um because this is this is expensive you know an extra you yeah. know day with the dog sitter um having to pay for our food because they kept saying it was weather related um but they would they wouldn't you know they they just kept saying this is weather related so we don't give out vouchers for weather related uh, incidences so we're talking a family of four three meals at the airport so it it, it cost us um but I, finally in the end i said you know tell me what we can do you know, we got we we finally at the last minute, just before our plane was supposed to arrive, it was canceled. We got it. We got immediate email saying that our travel had been disrupted, and to ask for refunds because they couldn't book us until January third. Wow! Yeah, and so many folks find themselves in the position that you're in, mm-hmm. and it's not so much yeah. the the airport, uh, the flights at SeaTac. We have cancellations and delays, but we are in relatively great shape because it's just water. And if there's one thing SeaTac knows how to deal with, mm-hmm. it's water. Uh, but yeah. folks, folks across the country have felt this. Um, I am amazed you were able to even find a rental car. We were too. Um, as soon as our flights were canceled, we immediately went to baggage claim, got our, got our luggage. Um, we had, we said stay here. Uh, and then, um, and then one of the other gentlemen and I, uh, got on the, uh, the bus and we went to the rental car place. Nobody had rental cars except for Avis. <laughs> and we asked Avis, how are you the only ones with rentals? And they said, we don't know. And we said, well, do you have enough for seven people, seven bags? They said, yes. And we booked it. And so, um, as a matter of fact, the vehicle we're driving has Washington plates. They weren't going to allow us to go a one way. They were only going to allow us to rent in Nevada, but we begged, we pleaded. We said, we've got to get home. And so the guy just said, I'm going to make this happen. So let me just tell you, being nice, being kind to people, speaking to them um, professionally and, and just, just saying thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to, to these, to these you know, uh, people who are working over the holidays goes a long way because I'm sure if we'd gone up there and been bossy and mad and upset, he would have said next, 
Right, exactly. Because we were very kind, we were patient, and and we just said, please help us. We've got children. You know, we need to get home. And he said, you got it. I'm going to see what we can do. Mickey, this has the makings of a Hollywood uh, movie script, no doubt about that. But do take it easy. I take it you're going to take 84 uh, across the Blue Mountains and then up to Columbia Gorge, turn right, and come up I-5. Is that correct? Um, that is exactly what we're doing. Gosh, these guys are good. <laughs> and, uh, we, started out, we started out last night. I started out driving uh, at like 1045. I got us almost to Salt Lake City at 4 a.m. I, I had to have someone take over. And now uh, one of the gentlemen, uh, he and his son are with us. And then um, we, we all have business in Seattle. And, and one, of, one of the gentlemen in front of me who's um, – He's going to Seattle for a funeral, so it was important that we all got home. Well, listen, so that Nikki, we all get home. Yeah, I, I am so proud of you for being a professional, and you're right. We have all kind of devolved into the worst version of ourselves over the last mm-hmm. couple of years, and the holiday stress makes it uh, even worse. And then when. When when traffic go and travel break down for everyone, it's it's tough to find that that grain of human decency, and that's a wonderful yes. lesson you're sharing with everybody. When you do find that who you truly are inside, and that nice wonderful person, and and share that with others, great things happen. I don't want to call it a Christmas miracle, but you're the ones going to be home tomorrow, <laughs> not those people. Well, yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. Well, tr- trust me, there were a couple of times where I wanted to lose it, and I just went. I have to set the example for my kids. I can't lose it. I've well, got to be. We've got to be nice. Well, be safe on the rest of the way home. I'm looking forward okay. to seeing you live in person. It's Mickey Gomez on the road Mwah. from the nightmare after Christmas. Thanks for listening to Seattle's Morning News. I'm Dave Ross. And I'm Colleen O'Brien. Thanks for listening to the show's podcast. We're happy you're here. And you can keep up with the show and find some of the stories from today online at MyNorthwest.com.